From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Monday, December 23rd, 2019. It is that time of the year where we look back in the run-up to New Year's, and we are looking back today at the amateur golf season, and in some cases, what those people did after they turned pro um, in 2019. And to do that, we bring in Brentley Romine from... Golf Channel, the associate editor for Golf Channel, focusing on college and amateur golf. Good afternoon, Brentley. Jeremy, I think I'm re-teeing it up at the multiple, multiple times, yeah. Yes, you are. And this is an annual spot, so you'll be playing this hole as much as you want for as long as you want. <laughs> Hopefully it's a par three. <laughs> are those your type of holes? Oh, okay, the pitch and putt route. You know what's funny about that is I took uh, a, a, someone's grandson to a pitch and putt, and I try. I, I, I played it too smartly. I was like, okay, I remember this green. It was kind of slopey. You got to leave it like left of the flag, and it's like a 60-yard hole, and I'm trying to hit precise golf shots, and I'm like, hold on a second. I just have to go back to playing golf. What am I doing here? <laughs> You know what I think it is, and, and you would know this because you were there this summer at Pinehurst. I think it's, I think the cradle is one of those things that needs the right owner, the right financial model, the right everything. And to me, I think there's a lot of par three or slash short slash executive courses up here in Jersey that I've seen, but I think it comes down to the right hotbed of golfers and the right makeup of golfers. You know, one of the ones around here is in a, in a senior uh, a senior living community. And, and that's where, I mean, not to be insulting to that demographic, but you would think in places like the villages in Florida or whatever the case may be, where you have people either young or old who could use that type of, of facility, you would see it more. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you've obviously never been to Florida that much. I don't know. Is that place, what is that place actually like? Because I've heard about it. I've seen the ads for years. I've never been. Yeah, maybe that's where this this will figure. I I do think that there is a an interest in having a couple drinks and playing something like the cradle. I I I think there's an interest there in that kind of golf and in the more relaxed stage versus trying to battle a sixty eight hundred yard golf course. <laughs> yeah, I, I I actually got a chance to play the cradle uh, earlier this summer, and yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. Um, you know, just uh, have a little little brew, a little transfusion, walk around with a couple clubs, and uh, it's pretty fun. And actually, you can actually putt your way around the cradle. It's it, it's pretty hard, but it it has been done. I I saw it done when I was up there. So wow. Obviously, there's the there's the thistledew putting course that they have there. Um, but you could actually putt your way around the cradle. It's pretty tough, but 
right. Now you've brought something up that um, that that I have uh, wanted to bring up on the podcast before, and I've never had the right um, um, person. And it sounds like you might be the right person. I have seen so many Instagram stories of golfers and transfusions, and I huh? I I am confused as to what this drink is. Um, apparently it's a golf thing. It's a golf club from liquor.com. The transfusion actually emanates from golf. It's a quote, golf club standard made with vodka, ginger ale, and grape juice. Um, yeah, it's a splash, a splash of grape juice. Okay, so help me out here because I'm, I'm somebody who can't drink for medical reasons, so I wouldn't... So for me, transfusions involve uh, a, uh, a um, medical ginger procedure. Ale, grape juice. Yeah, so yeah, Vir- the, uh, the the virgin transfusion. Interesting. So what is so what's the backstory here? A- a- any idea why this has become like the number one drink of choice for golfers? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly I'd never heard of it until I went to Pinehurst. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's been been around long before that, and and multiple other places. But yeah, I mean, it just started drinking it there and uh i mean it's pretty dang good so once you have your first one it's hard to it's hard to stop there um so yeah i mean i i hate to disappoint but i don't i don't have the uh the the full backstory of of the transfusion other than the fact that uh you know they're they're pretty pretty fun to make and uh fun to consume Sounds like it. Um, thank you to Brian Schneider of Liquor.com, which helped me with that Google search. Okay, <laughs> back we go. Um, amateur golf and your run through amateur golf in 2019, and you started with the Jones Cup. Yeah, Jones Cup. Uh, February, uh, Ocean Forest Golf Club, which is in Sea Island. So for, for those of, of you who don't really know the 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 geography of, of Sea Island. You obviously start in Brunswick. It's kind of south, southeastern Georgia, right on the coast. You go over the bridge. Sea Island Golf Club, where they play the RSM, is right there on your right. And then Ocean Forest is actually on Sea Island. See, sea Island Golf Club is actually on St. Simons. So uh, Sea Island is just a little bit north of St. Simons, and there's a golf course called Ocean Forest, which is super tough, uh, uh, super awesome and the Jones Cup they always seem to get one just really brutal weather day of you know like every single year they get one one of the one round of three rounds is just brutal weather conditions and this year the final round actually got rained out and so Akshay Batia who we all know he just recently turned pro the teenage sensation uh, him and Davis Thompson who currently is at Georgia, uh, they were tied after 36, and they couldn't get the final round in. So in between, you know, storms, rain, uh, whatever, they snuck out of the first hole, played a sudden death playoff. Uh, Thompson pulled it into the water, and Akshay two-putted for par to win. And uh, that was really, I, I think Akshay had already been on the Walker Cup radar uh, at the time. He was one of the one of the players, I think it was 16 players, invited to the practice session uh, earlier or a couple months earlier in December. But that that win, I think, solidified uh, his position on the team. And obviously, he would go on to earn one of those first three exemptions for the team. And uh, yeah, the Jones Cup just uh, you know long considered one of the tougher tests of amateur golf. And 
you get all the college players looking to get you know that one tournament in before they go back to school um, or in some cases they're already back to school but they haven't played any actual tournaments yet so just a good warm-up and it's just uh yeah, just a really good event they treat treat the players well and they always seem to get a good winner I mean, i've seen bill hoster win there um brilliant thornberry's won there recently uh, i think john peterson's a former winner of the jones cup too so yeah pretty pretty cool event um Speaking of that, uh, John Peterson did win in 2011. Justin Thomas won in 2012. Corey Connors won in 2014. Bo Hostler in 16. Pretty and, good, right? And if you go further back, Patrick Reed in 10. Kyle Stanley in 9. Luke List in 07. DJ Trahan in 01. I mean, it, it really is. That's having common. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what? I said, uh, what do all those guys have in common? A lot of them are SEC guys. A bunch of them are major champions. Um, All of them played on the PGA Tour. Yes, yes. And the including the now-retired John Peterson. So in the span of eight years, John Peterson went from winner of the Jones Cup, great amateur career, played in the PGA Tour, and then said, I'm done. Jones Cup, arguably his biggest accomplishment. You know, the interesting thing about Batia... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I, I, oh, no, no. I, I, I was saying I was... I was kidding with, with, with that being his biggest accomplishment. Oh, okay. Obviously, he was the NCAA individual champion, but yeah, I, I'm sure he's. I, I'd like to know where he, where his Jones Cup trophy is. It's probably on a, you know, in a deer stand or something. It's probably got some beef turkey like coming out of it. <laughs> he seems like a fascinating guy. It sounds like you've talked to him. It seems like he's a fascinating guy to sit down with. Yeah, I I, I think he has no he has no filter, and he tells it like it is, and. We need more of those guys. We absolutely do. Um, on Batia, who, you know, and, and we'll get to later, Wolf Morikawa, Hovland, and the Summers they had. Then Batia comes out, makes his debut at the Sanderson Farms, and really struggled um, in his PGA Tour appearances. And the clock's ticking when you have those seven sponsor exemptions. And it may, I was surprised to see him struggle considering – the things he had won, the manner in which he had won them. Were you surprised as to how he struggled on the PGA Tour um, to, uh, to, uh, 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 sorry, to uh, finish 2019? No, nah, not, not really. I mean, he is only 18 years old. So it was one of those things where I, I'm always a huge proponent of going to college, even if it's just for one year. I mean, just all the, you know, it's, it, it's just a different thing being away from home, you know, and, and getting that one year on your own and then getting to be, you know, depending on what school you go to, getting to be around some great players and some great coaches and having access to just top-of-the-line practice facilities, training facilities. You know, it's, it's, it's just really beneficial. And, you know, we're, we're talking about this, you know, the thing that's dominated the news recently has been all this compensating student-athletes, whether, you know, the California Bill and CAA. Um, and I don't think golfers realize just how much they get for free um, when they're in college. And so I'm always a big fan of guys going, um, you know, all four years if possible. But, you know, with, with the cases of Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas and guys like that who, who were ready to, to make the jump, uh, but at, at least one year. And, and Akshay not going at all. Um, you know, I think it's going to take a little bit. Like, there's going to be some growing pains. I didn't expect him, you know, I kind of expected him to, to do just this. I mean, that's not to take anything away from him 
as a player because I think he's really talented and in terms of all the all of his peers he's he was clearly I mean him and Carl Phillips are probably clearly the best two 2020 kids um but yeah he's just he's young his his body's young you know he's he doesn't have a lot of meat on the bones he's got to get stronger um but he's definitely got the game and you know I'm not counting him out just because he's he's missing a bunch of cuts you know so He's going to get some more sponsor exemptions this coming year, and we'll see what he does uh, with them. And if not, we'll see him back at Q School. And I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get on the Corn Ferry Tour via Q School next year. So. Yeah, speaking of that, you covered Corn Ferry Tour uh, Q School final stage, which we were supposed to get to at the top, and then I messed up. Uh, and that's all right. Hey, I'm I Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, yes, and 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 wait, did I call it the? Uh, did I not call it the Corn Ferry Tour? No, you did. Okay. Pretty sure. Yes. All right. Um, no, because I, I – now I'm thinking I made that whole, like, web.com corn fire mistake, which, I mean, people still call it the Nationwide Tour. If this tour can just have one name for a while, that would be really nice for a lot of its grads. Um, we could just go back and call it the buy.com tour. Just, yes. and, you know, everyone that's listening to the podcast probably remembers that. Yes. Um, and we're going to talk final stage. Uh, we were supposed to talk it up front. I'm, I'm taking an, a, 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 a mulligan off off this team. We'll talk about it at the end. But um, did actually try to get through Corn Ferry Q School? Uh, yeah, so he, he, I believe, he either missed out in first stage or second stage. I, I think he got through first stage. I'm not sure. Uh, but, yeah, he, he definitely did make it to final stage. Okay, so um, he continues his journey, and we continue your journey through, th- through Avenir Golf in 2019. So next up is... Yeah. No, it's, uh, no, it's fine. I thought, Sorry. I thought you were leading me in, but no. we'll uh, check out. No, the, uh, the next is the Anwa. How can, how can we forget the Anwa? It's, so this is my thing about the Augusta National Women's Amateur, and, and this is how I'll lead into it. I've never seen an event where we've had it for the first time, and there is one favorite and one person who comes in there and has to live up to the height, and that was Jennifer Cupcho. Everybody circled her. Everybody... I can't remember the last new event that's popped on the golf scene and everybody said, oh, of course, it's clearly got to be Cup Chow. And then she lives up to the height and then has this down-the-stretch uh, duel on Augusta's second nine, which would rival any Masters Sunday. It was nuts. I, I cannot, and you can obviously say it having been there, but for me, I can't believe the quality of golf we saw on on that Saturday to finish the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Yeah, I mean, I I think unanimously, I everything that was written about it was that the event exceeded expectations. You know, there there were there were a couple um, you know a, a, a couple suggestions I saw some people had whether you know because they they thought the practice round at Augusta after the first two rounds of Champions Retreat was kind of weird, but you know I, I I didn't mind it. I I thought it actually worked and. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the golf, I mean, Cup Show battling a migraine on the, I think it was the eighth or ninth hole. Yeah. And then she ends up shooting 60, 67 in the final round, played the last six holes and five under. Wins by four, though, it seemed a little closer than that. You know, I think uh, Fossey and her down the stretch, it seemed closer. Um, but yeah, just a, a really 
really awesome moment for women's golf in general, not just women's amateur golf. And I know you're a big TV ratings guy. You know, the highest rated amateur golf telecast in 16 years. Yeah. Highest women's golf pro or amateur since 2016 Women's Open. So people were watching, and it was a really cool, uh, you know, cool opportunity not only for these these women to to get to play, but to give fans you know, yet another chance to see Augusta National. And I, one of my good buddies, uh, you know, had entered the Masters Lottery for I don't know how many years, and uh, he ended up entering the Anwall um, Lottery and won. So him and his dad got to go and walk around. And, I mean, though you're not seeing Tiger Woods play or Dustin Johnson or Rory or any of those guys, it's still pretty cool to see the golf course. And it's not like, you know, these were – you know, hacks out there, you know, shooting a hundred. You know, these these women came to play. I think eight eight of the thirty players that qualified for the final round shot under par. That's pretty dang good. And then that playoff at champions champions retreat on uh, what would that have been Thursday? That that yeah. eleven for ten and uh, the girl from South Carolina and Spain went in you know, on the win the final spot on a long putt and to make that sidewinder close with with Celia Barqueen, the Iowa State golfer that that was killed last year. So yeah, a lot of a lot of cool moments, you know, to to kick off the very inaugural Augusta Women's National Anthem or Augusta National Women's Amateur. And not just that too, but and and I and I think it's important to bring this up. The putt she made to get into Augusta was a sidewinder. It was not like a eight foot straight up the hill putt. It was a twenty some odd no. footer with some break to it, and it just. That, to me, the way that playoff was played, I thought, all right, we've got something here. Because I, I think there was a lot of us, and, and now after the fact, I think we can voice it, who were sitting there going, I don't know what we're going to see. I don't know if this golf course is going to be ready or not. They take so much pains to have it ready for Thursday of the Masters. Are they going to be getting a faster golf course, a slower golf course? And it was slower than it was for the Masters, and the Masters wound up being slower because of weather and, and and other reasons. But those two fairway wood shots on 13 and 15 from Cup Cho, and the way on the front nine, especially the Fosse answer, anything Cup Cho tried to do, and Sierra Brooks tried to poke her head in there, but just those two fairway wood shots, and this is a whole different discussion that could take up a whole podcast about what Augusta National should do to number 13, but there is no argument, and Jeff Shackelford said this afterwards, there is no argument that the distances that they played 13 and 15 at brought the decision of that second shot back into play the way that it was originally designed. And that's what I think made Cup Cho's ego at 13 so cool, so fun, and I'm so glad she got some crystal from Augusta National a couple months ago because she so deserved that. I mean, arguably the best amateur moment of the year. Yeah, no, I would completely agree. And then the sportsmanship between them two, which I think shocked a lot of people who don't follow women's golf, that amateur golf is this weird interconnected world that you've talked about and others have talked about over the years on various podcasts and shows. You're playing against uh, against people in AJGA events forever. You run into each other at the same time. These two are friends. They're hugging, walking up the 18th. Like, really? <laughs> This is a major. People might 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 take take issue with that, though. Yes, but I loved it. I I love the fact that I I have I don't understand. 
I have this running joke on Twitter that Ricky Fowler's the leader in strokes gained congratulating others on winning majors and it's a lead that'll Aww. never and it's a it, and it's a title that'll never be matched. What do you want these people to do? Walk off the green and the only people they're hugging are their are their is their family and everybody else is pissed off and in the locker room cursing at them? Like what do you expect this young group to do? I don't get the complaints about this. Yeah, no, I, they, they they were definitely cheering each other on, but they were also want, wanting to beat each other. You know, I mean, Fossey's uh, and, 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 and Cupcho, you know, are both, you know, they 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 can get in the zone and be really fiery and uh, really competitive. And, uh, and yes, I mean, you know, a couple of fist bumps and stuff like that. And, and obviously Fossey clapping when Cupcho was walking up 18 and even on the putt and all that was, um, you know, Jennifer had already won the tournament by that point, so. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, no, no issues on uh, on my part with that. By the way, uh, just to finish up, Bosque Batia, he did make it the second stage. He went to the uh, what venue is this? This is the did Brooksville, he to the Texas one. No, he no, he went to Southern Hills Plantation, Brookville, okay. uh, Florida, and uh, did and uh, tied for forty third and and uh, failed to advance. So there you he, go. He made it to second stage, but did not get to final stage. Um, Maybe twenty twenty will be his year. Yes. Now I want to fast forward a second because I think there's a, there's a, a cool way that this all circled around to the um, NCA women's title, which is here's Fossey now. Back against her rival, she wanted it down the stretch on Sunday, on on uh, Wednesday, on Monday. I always get these yep. days confused when it comes to the women. Cupcho didn't have her best week, but Fossey did and got the title. And you could see the emotion when she won that thing in her face for how much this meant. For as uh, for as great as that sportsmanship was, and those girls getting to go on the Today Show and the whole media tour that they went on after that. For Fossey, I think this was really like. Hallelujah, I got my moment. And then both of us can look back at 2019 and say we both shared the stage. Well, yeah, and, and to do it at our home course. And, uh, you know, obviously Cupcho had the last lap because her team actually went further. Yeah. Uh, in match play, obviously, then falling to Duke. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Fossey and, and, and Cupcho both had wins that they can be proud of. Yeah, and we're talking amateur golf here with uh, uh, Brentley Romine on teeing it up. Um, now, when it comes to the team competition, I thought what was really, um, and you can speak to this a lot better than I can, but there's this weird thing, the way the NCAAs play out, that they tend to be on these golf courses that are really spread out. I don't know why. Maybe Greyhawk will be different in this sense. And it's yeah. and it's you know feeding information from here, feeding information from there. You know little things here. This person finishes a match now; they have to go be the whole cheerleader squad and update everybody. Coaches floating in, coaches floating out, and here's Duke, and the emotion of Duke to upset Wake Forest to win, and their coach who was literally bawling to whoever. And I honestly forgot who it was. Got the Golf Channel interview with him. I mean, it just shows you how much that means with this emotionally charged final day. And it was different than the men. For the men and for Stanford and for Conrad Ray, that was almost, to me at least, watching, 
like vindication. Like we, we, we did it, we executed, we got it done. And it was emotional for him and for the players and for Nota Begay. But it was not business-like, but it just seemed like the Duke win had a lot more tied to it emotionally than, than the Stanford men win did. Well, you, you, you also have to remember that men's final was played at, you know, 7.30 in the morning. Right. So, you know, because it was moved forward because of what ended up being a tornado warning yes. uh, that, that ended up canceling the winner's press conference. But, yeah, I mean, it's a different vibe for the men. But, yeah, I mean, I, probably... I, I, you know, obviously it means a lot, but yeah, you're, you're right. Probably meant a little bit more to this Duke team because this is a team that hadn't exactly figured out match play. You know, this is, you know, a, one of the winningest, you know, coaches, teams, programs of of all time, and but yet they they hadn't won one in match play, and for Dan Brooks and and the Blue Devils to to win one in match play, that kind of that validation that. Hey, you know we can we can do it in this format too because you know match play while exciting, you know while the best format to crown a champion in the television era doesn't you know more often than not does not crown the most deserving. But um, you know Duke definitely one of the one of the top four or five teams uh, in women's golf uh, last season, and you know not not really an an, an upset over Wake. I think those two teams are pretty evenly matched, but but yeah. So um, definitely, the, I, I, I think the women's final was definitely a little more, more emotional, more exciting. The thing about um, as we now move forward here, and we're going to enter a part as we get to the men here. First of all, for Stanford, their first title since 07. Um, it was a long time coming for Conrad Ray. This team with Isaiah Salinda had been in the mix the last couple of years. They beat Texas. Um, Oklahoma State, who was trying to go back-to-back with all that talent, with, with, with the Hovlands and the Matthew Wolves of the world, came up short. Um, it, was, it was almost, for them, it was, it was interesting to see the way Blessings Golf Club played because you had this top for both Fossey and Matt Wolf that was... They just were on their games and dissected the golf course. Then a whole bunch of people further down the line who did not play very well. And suddenly you enter match play and it relies on them. And when you have both ending up in 3-2 finals, it puts a lot of of onus on these players who did not play Blessings Golf Club very well earlier in the week to now suddenly play it well. And Stanford used the whole team effort to beat Texas. Yeah, well, also remember Matt Wolf for as great as he played in stroke play, Cole Hammer went he. And, you know, not that Matt played played poorly. I mean, I think Cole Hammer made seven birdies or something on him. It was ridiculous. They showed yeah, those highlights at the PGA but, Tour stop Cole had this year, and I had forgotten everything Cole had done during that um, um, match against Wolf. I mean, that was that was just everything went Cole's way. It, it was really remarkable golf. Yeah, I mean, he he, he just played played lights out, and he. He can get that way in match play. We saw it last year at the Western Amateur and um, at the U.S. Amateur made it to the semi. So, yeah, I mean, he, he, he can go blackout uh, during match play and, and really be tough to beat. But, yeah, I mean, like, like I said before, match play is just so volatile. I mean, because you have clearly Oklahoma State was the best team last season, far and away. You, you can't argue that any other team was better. 
they go and win stroke play by, was it 26 shots or 23 shots, something like that, and they don't end up winning it. So, you know, Stanford is, is a national champion, but there's a lot of people who, who, who still consider Oklahoma State last year's national champion because they won the stroke play event. They were minus 16 and Vanderbilt was plus 15. So whatever that is, what, 21? What, minus 16 and Vandy was plus 15? Yeah, plus 15. So 31. Yeah, so, uh, sorry. Yeah, 31, sorry. Yeah, yeah 31, 31 shot. Well, yeah, so, I mean, they just, they rolled in stroke play and just just didn't get it done. But, um, and, and now it's going to be a while before we, we see them back on top, but... You know, it's just a, it, it's a great program. They're always going to bring in good players, and it's not going to be that long before they're back. Anyway, I've gotten us out of order on your uh, trip through. Um, no, Amherst. no, I, I, I didn't even, I, I didn't even consider talking about the college stuff. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, that that was good that we were able to touch on that. And uh, I think next up we got the British Amateur. We can go. You want to go across the pond? Yeah, let's go across the pond. We're talking to Brentley Romine here on teeing it up about college and amateur golf, and and. Just one last thing, um, and and he's a friend of the show. He's a friend of the podcast. The work that Golf Channel does, digitally and linearly for NCAA golf, is as good as anything they do all year. It's led by Brant Backer, production wise. I'm not sure who leads you guys editorially. Steve Burkowski is obviously the college insider, but I'm not sure who on the digital side you want to shout out. But all you guys do such an amazing job covering these two weeks, and it's become two of the best weeks in golf all year and two of, of, of the best weeks of stuff that you guys at Golf Channel do all year. So that's just the end of my little shout-out to you guys. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll be safe, and we'll call it a total team effort. Is that, <laughs> is that uh, Coach Pete? <laughs> that's fine. I, I will accept that answer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, so yes, let's let's head across the pond for the British Amateur, which is an event the, the, that I think the Amateur. Yes, the Amateur and the uh, Amateur. Well, oh, that, that's right. I'm sorry, as Nick as. <laughs> no, well, it's funny you say that because one of my favorite press, uh, my favorite conference call quotes of any of of any network, any sport recently was two years ago a Nick Faldo, Johnny Miller conference call previewing The Open. And one of them incorrectly called it the British Open. And then the other said it's the Open Championship. And the other said, no, it's the Open. And one of them, and I honestly forget who, ended the whole thing by saying, at some point, they'll just call it The. (laughs) And to this day, it's one of my favorite conference call moments of all time of any transcript I've ever read. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm 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 from the camp that you can call it whatever you want to call it. But the people who, if 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 the people running the event want to call it a certain way, you know, we can we can call it that. Yes. So, so uh, anyway, so we'll, we'll call it the amateur uh, for the rest of the pot. I'm good. Yes. All right. So the amateur, aka the British amateur, the one played across the pond. And by the way, the amateur champion. This is this is how Wikipedia refers to it. The Amateur Championship, sometimes referred to as the British Amateur or the British Amateur Championship, is a golf tournament that has been held annually in the UK since 1885, except during the two world wars. It's 134 editions now. Which is nuts. That's a lot. I mean, imagine the podcast back in, in 1903, you know, and talking about it. Yes. Do you think they had the British Amateur or the Amateur debate? I have no idea. 
Um, and by the way, looking at this last at at this recent winners list, only ten years ago was Matteo Manassero who was gonna be the next big one, and yeah, and and and, and then a year later, because that was that what oh nine? Yep, that was oh nine at uh, Formby. And then the next year he won on the European Tour. Yeah, youngest youngest uh, youngest winner ever on the European Tour. And now he's. And off where Anthony... It's all been downhill from there. Yes, and he's off in who knows land with Anthony Kim. They're probably on a craft table somewhere. <laughs> I think I read something about Mateo and what he's trying to do. Anthony Kim, though, is is is, is, is really off the grid. But anyway, um, I interrupted you. Go ahead and uh, talk about this year's British Am. <laughs> it's always good to get an, uh, on an Anthony Kim... Uh... Anthony Kim tangent, though. It is crazy how much golf Twitter loves and misses Anthony Kim. And I feel like if you throw out that name, like, on TV, you get a bunch of people saying, who? What? But those of us in golf, and in hashtag golf Twitter, we love ourselves some Mateo Manassero. Uh, 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 sorry, some Anthony Kim. But now we'll love ourselves. Uh, yeah, we, we may love <laughs> Mateo Manassero now. <laughs> oh man, this is going off the rails. All right, go ahead. <laughs> anyways, anyways, yeah, first, yeah. Uh, the the amateur yes. James Sugru, or I I I probably butchered that. It's like it's James Sugru Sugru. Uh, but anyways, he's from Ireland, twenty two years old. Be Ewan Walker from Scotland, two up uh, at Port Marinock in Ireland. Um, second time in one hundred thirty four years of the event. Um, that that was held at that course. Um, the crazy part was he was ranked 249th in the World Amateur Golf Ranking, and so it's it, it's not like he was on people's shortlist of you know of, of potential winners. But he led five up after nine, and then ended up kind of leaking oil at the end, and uh, you know had to hold on for a two up win. But obviously that that victory got him on the GBNI Walker Cup team. Uh, he's now number 33 in the World Amateur Golf Ranking. Missed the cut at the Open. And, um, he'll obviously play in the Masters this coming year in the U.S. Open. And then uh, also, I'm trying to think of any other notes I got on him. He, he actually ended up justifying his win at the Amateur and made match play at the U.S. Amateur at Pinehurst. So. But also, I mean, I... I I can't mention him without mentioning a shot that I saw him hit at the Walker Cup, and he he hit possibly one of the worst shots I've ever seen someone of of his his level hit. He just he was I think he was playing John Pack, and it was the last day, or it might have been no, it was the first day because it was when Pack had that that birdie on the 18th hole to get the U.S. within two going into day two, but he was I forget what hole it was on, but. Um, it might have been 16, and he was—he had a wedge, and he just absolutely fatted it. it. It didn't even get halfway to the to the green. It was just—it was just awful. But um, but yeah, he's, he's the amateur champion. And it's—it's uh, it's a really uh, the the history of that event. I think people don't realize that. This is one of those events that, that that goes back so long, and if you've grown up in that area of the world, it's so important to you. People always wonder why is you know the Ryder Cups this this beloved event overseas, 
And people don't realize the quality of winners that have come out of the British amateur. Sergio's a past winner of this event. Um, we, we said Mateo Manassero, Graham Storm um, has uh, played in it. Um, uh, there was somebody else I was going to bring up. Uh, Rob McIntyre, who was just European Tour Rookie Bobby of the Year. Mack. Yeah, Rob Mack was just European Tour Rookie of the Year, was the runner-up in 2016. Mm-hmm. Matthias Schwab in 2012 was the runner-up. He um, has had a great year on the European Tour. This is a, this has been a stepping stone event, much like the U.S. Amateur has been. Monty was the runner-up in 84. Jose Mario Alfalva was the winner in 84. Look at that. In 1984... Jose Maria Olafabo beat Colin Montgomery. Pretty good at Formby, right? Yeah. Crazy. He waxed him. Yeah, but it's it it's it's a heck of an event that gets played on some fantastic golf courses, um, both in the open rota and outside of the open rota. So fascinating. Yeah, no, we, we, well, we have to shout out the twenty eighteen winner too, my boy uh, Yovan Regula from Auburn. Yes, um, Ernie Els' nephew. Yeah. And speaking of South Africans, Trevor Immelman was the runner-up in 97. And Tommy Fleetwood, runner-up in 2008 at, at Turnberry. Ah, yes, good catch. And, and my thing about Tommy Fleetwood, how he's not won on the PGA Tour yet is, is beyond me. But when he wins... I would not be surprised if his first one in the PGA Tour happens to come in a major. This is somebody who is going to be on Ryder Cup teams for the next 15 years, and it's going to be a perennial, I believe, two to three times a year around the world, counting both tours winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, agreed. He's got such a complete game. He's got such a complete game, and he's got the moxie for it too, which is uh, really, really good. Um we are talking to Brentley Romine here on teeing it up, going around college and amateur golf uh, in 2019. So next up on your tour to 19 is yeah. So so let's let's do a couple of quick hitters. Uh, this is when the summer starts. We get we'll have Sunihana, uh, the Northeast and the North and South, and then we'll go into the Western M after that. But uh, just a couple of quick hits. Uh, Sunihana Alex Molly wins for the second straight year. He's the first player. To win the Sunihana in back-to-back years since, I'll, I'll, I'll quiz you. He's he's he played in the uh, he played on the U.S. Presidents Cup team. I have no idea, so I will just throw out a name. I want to say it's probably one of the young guns, so maybe Xander Shoffley or Patrick Cantlay. Nope, he's he, he's as you said the strokes gain leader in. Uh, oh, Ricky. Strokes gain. Ricky. Uh, Strokes gain high fives. Yeah. Ricky Fowler, 2007-2008. So, so that's the Sunihan, Alex Mala. Obviously, he ended up going on to make the U.S. Walker Cup team. And then the north and south, uh, Cooper Dossie from Baylor uh, won at Pinehurst uh, eight months after wrist surgery. Beat Noah Norton of Georgia Tech, five and four. And uh, his brother, Luke Dossie, who's now, um, he's, he's now Cooper's teammate at Baylor. He was caddy for him, so... Um, interesting there. And then Northeast, another Baylor guy, uh, guy who graduated this past spring and stayed amateur this summer, uh, Garrett May. He led by five shots in the final round, and then he shot 74. He was <laughs> he didn't win by two, but, but final round 74, and he was six over after his first four holes on that Ooh. final day. Ooh. He went, 
I believe he went like bogey, par, double, triple. I mean, that that sounds like one of my scorecards. It <laughs> um, sounds like one of mine, too. And uh, it takes a lot of mental fortitude to bounce back from a rough start. But, and I think people are now, this generation, will look at things like what Tiger did at the Zozo, bogeying his first three holes, and realizing, okay, you've got... You know, sixty nine more holes left, or whatever the case may be. You've got fifteen yeah. more holes. He only had uh, he only had fourteen holes left. Right, but still, it's that knowledge that okay, if the pros do it, I can do it, and yeah, um, that I think is what's so impressive. Speaking of what's what? so impressive, oh, oh, sorry, if you have one more thing on that, go ahead. No, let's. Let, I, I'm always good for learning about things that are impressive. So this is this, folks, is probably the most wild win of the year. Dylan Meyer, I can see it. Norman Jean, I can see it. Cole Hammer, I can see it. Those were the last three winners of the Western Amateur entering this year at the Point Wait, O Woods at the Golf Western or, or or Northeast. Uh, this is the Western Amateur. Okay. Um, did I say Northeast? Well, no. So we're 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 uh, we're on the Northeast now. Okay. Well, yeah. We're, we're, all right. Sorry, that's my fault. See, this is no, what yeah, happens. No, no, no problem at all. We'll we'll get to the western soon. Okay, so I will let you go in the northeast, and then I will wax poetic about what happened at, 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 <laughs> well, at no, the western. It, go it, ahead. It's time. It's time for another pop quiz. Oh. The, the biggest the, the biggest news in amateur golf happened this week at, at the northeast. A one of the most popular amateur golfers in the entire world, WD, with three holes left. Can you, do you know what player that was? Ro, Romo comma Tony? Yeah, Tony Romo. WD, it was his second WD of the summer. He WD'd at the Dogwood earlier. Um, apparently had a back injury. He shot 71-79 at Wanamoise up in Rumford, Rhode Island, which is a great course, by the way, if you haven't been. Um, and he was one or he was 11 over to 15 holes of this final round before he hung it up. And the, one of the funniest quotes was the tournament director quote, he tried his hardest just to finish today, but was physically unable. We greatly appreciate his participation and will welcome him back in the future. I mean, I'm all for Tony Romo playing amateur events, but I mean, you can't WD with three holes left. I mean, he was 11 over through 15. The only way that is acceptable in my mind is if you somehow injured yourself over the 15 holes. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 as far as we know, we, he, he had a back injury, but right. But my he, point is, is he and these and and in the span of a month, it, it, you know, it, it's certainly suspicious. And to your point, Brentley, I think one of the things that I've advocated for the PGA Tour to do is to totally transform their their withdrawal system because right now. They, they don't have a system in place if you need to in-round withdraw for mental health reasons. So if you have a panic attack, anxiety attack, if something comes up at home... Like, like Charlie Belgian at right. 2012... Uh, uh, yeah, the old Funai. Um, there's no mechanism right now to be able to say, I have to withdraw because my brain isn't right. Right now you have to make up something. I hurt my wrist, I hurt my whatever. And it makes you look bad, and then the story comes out later, and whatever, and what, you give a wink, wink. What's the line to draw between, um, you know, panic attack and I'm playing really bad, and I'm losing my mind? 
Right. And this is, and this is, I think though, where this delineation needs to happen, which is write out the parameters for what, for what uh, a mental health issue is. And, and this would probably only apply to people with known, known medical issues. Now, obviously we have to go through privacy disclosures, etc. because in my mind, this was Romo not wanting to turn in that ugly scorecard. And he said, I'm out, I'll just claim an injury, whether he was genuinely injured or not. And, you know, he would go on and play the um, Safeway Open this fall. So, like, he was able to heal up and play quality golf um, and, 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 and was on pace to make the cut after Thursday. So, for me, I'm with you. There has to be a mechanism here to stop people from WDing to be scared of a of a high score and then penalize them. And yet, if you actually have a medical issue, you you can do it and not have to disclose to the world that you're struggling from, I don't know, bipolar disorder. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, I, I, thinking more about this, you know, maybe, you know, Tony was hurt and couldn't finish the last three holes. And, um, again, I, I have no problem with, with him being, being in the field. But right. You know, he got on a little bit of a WD streak this summer, and uh, it's not a one good of those look. things that I mean, should he have played? I don't know, but I, I, I guess it did bring more uh, awareness to the great tournament. And uh, one of the coolest things that happens at the Northeast every year is the long drive competition. They do it, I think, it the day the day before the first round on a Wednesday. And uh, for a long time, a uh, long time golf week rider, Ron Balicki. Um, the, the late great Ron Balicki used to be the, the MC of the long drive competition mm. at the Northeast and a cool story before we get on to the Western because I know we're we're approaching the, the hour mark but um, no we're actually only 45 minutes in believe oh, it or not well, well awesome well, so this great this great Ron Balicki story uh, he, it was when he was at golf week and I, I don't know exactly what year this was but it was one year where the editor at the time, Jeff Babineau, wanted to kind of switch up the, you know, the travel schedule because, you know, riders would be going to the same events every year and he wanted to kind of, you know, switch it up. So right. he pulled Ron off the Northeast and Ron goes, okay, well, I'd like to take vacation that week. <laughs> and, and, and Babs goes, well, where where are you going to go? You know, because because Ron, I, I don't think took a lot of vacation because he loves covering the sport and he was he always wanted to be at at all the events. And uh, he goes, well, you know, I'm going to go to up to the Northeast Amateur. You know, so, so so this is a guy that loved amateur golf so much that when told that he couldn't cover the the, the Northeast Amateur one year, he took vacation to to go cover it anyways. And Look I at- think what ended up happening was. Babineau ended up letting him cover it, so he didn't have to use vacation. But you know, just a, a cool story that that I always like to tell, and uh, you know, one that's a good inspiration for for all of us golf journalists that um, you know love the game and uh, you know cover it for that reason. Absolutely. Um, by the way, the the '07 winner of the Northeast Amateur was a guy by the name of Dustin Johnson. If he didn't win that Long Drive Championship, I would love to know who did because he had to be the longest guy in '07, um, and probably the same with Peter Uline in 2011. Um, those are those those are two long hitters who is um, who have won that event. So now we get to the Western Am and. Yeah. As I was saying before, 
Dylan Meyer, yep. Norman Zhang, yep. Cole Hammer, yep. Those are all guys I would expect to win the Western Amateur. Garrett Rank is an NHL official. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. He's a good player. Hold on a second. He is an NHL official. Oh, better watch out what you said. No, I, I'm... I'm Five minutes for, for icing. <laughs> You're throwing me in the penalty box, Brentley? <laughs> yeah, Garrett Rank, he's listening. I, I, I don't doubt, Mr. Rank, if you're listening, um, I, I, I just want to set it up because <laughs> I think that people need to know this. He's a great golfer who has competed in these events for a long time, but to win the damn thing when it's yeah. not even your, your, your day job brings back, you know, this is the only equivalent thing that I can think of is is um, Matt Parziali, the mid-am winner, um, U.S. Uh, mid-am winner, who is a firefighter by day. Um, that's the only other instance that I can remember of somebody, uh, recently at least, who, um, you know, has a really full-time day job and then does this well off and is really successful. There's probably others out there and I've probably insulted a bunch of people who who do pull that off, but just wild that, that yeah, he's able and, to do and, this. And there's a huge difference between winning the men and in the Western. I mean, I, I, I always argue with people, the Western's probably the toughest amateur competition to win because you have, you know, you have four rounds of stroke play. And one of those is a 36, or actually, I think there are two, up be four, four rounds of stroke play in three days. And then you go, and then the top 16 make match play. So you play, you know, four rounds of match play, too. It's, it's just a brutal week. And, you know, it kind of makes sense that a hockey referee would win because, I mean, what, what do you uh, equate being a good skater to? You know, having strong, strong legs. So. Um, but yeah, so 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 Rank beat uh, Dan Dan Wetterich, uh three and two in the final. Played at Point O Woods, uh, first Mid Am since nineteen ninety seven to win, and the first Canadian born player since eighteen seventy seven. So um, cool, cool. Wait, eighteen seventy seven? Is that right? Uh, the event started in eighteen ninety nine. Okay, so I think it was nineteen seventy seven. May have, may, may have been a typo on my part, but anyway, first Canadian-born guy. Yes. Yes. Yep. Nineteen seventy-seven. Jim. Uh, uh, Jim Elford, who uh, who did some commentary work for ESPN, I believe, over the years. So, if some of you recognize that name, it may be from that. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, so I mean, obviously, a couple uh, cool historic marks for for rank and. And not, not only is he an NHL ref, but he also beat uh, testicular cancer in 2011. So um, a lot of wrinkles to the story, and um, you know, just really cool to see you know a guy a guy like Garrett Rank win. I mean, just a super nice guy. Got spent his time with him at the Terracotta a couple years ago. Uh, we did an instruction shoot, shoot with him when I was back at Golf Week, and I mean, he 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 talk about how during the NHL season he he barely gets to play. So, I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy who from, when did the NHL season start? October? Yeah. September, October? Mid-October. Runs through, you know, he, 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 hadn't, he doesn't do the playoffs. He, he might have done his first playoff game a year or two ago, but, you know, the playoffs start in what, April? Yeah. Into April? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're talking about six, seven months of, of officiating and, 
then he has to turn it on for a few months during the summer and to win one of the best events. Uh, probably the most impressive feat, I think, in all of all of Seminary Amateur Golf, in, in, uh, in my opinion. It's, it's, it's a really impressive achievement. And uh, as you said, there is, there's anybody who plays hockey, refs hockey, you have to have endurance over those seasons that last forever. So those legs, I don't doubt that those legs helped them because um, it, it would make sense that it would last that long. And, and to follow in the footsteps of, of, of who he's followed him, which is a who's who. Um, really cool achievement both for Canada and for Garrett himself. And, uh, and look, he's somebody that you would have to think. In your mind, is he somebody that has the caliber of game that if things go right and the draw goes right, could win a USAM one day? Get rank? Uh, yeah, I mean, if we talk about, about match play being in anybody's game, really. I mean, well, we're going to talk about the U.S. Amateur here really quickly. And, I mean, the average world rank of the quarterfinalists for the U.S. Amateur this year was 187. I mean, we had a lot of the guys that people hadn't really heard of. And, in, and including yours truly. I'm like, wait, what happened to all the people I was looking for? I, I looked at, at either it was either the, the, the round of 16 or the quarters, and I'm like, who the heck yeah, are these like, people? Who, who, who are some of these guys? Yeah, yeah. I have to be really, you know... Uh, tuned in to college and amateur golf, to, which I'm not. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, Garrett Rink's got just as much talent, if not more, than than those guys. So yeah, I mean, he, he's a guy who who could win a U.S. Amateur. I, I think we're definitely going to see him win, uh, you know, several U.S. Mid Amateurs uh, in the next couple decades. Um, but but yeah, so should we move on to the U.S. Women's Am? Yes, sir. Do it, uh, Gabby Ruffles, USC via Australia, uh, beat Alvin Venezuela one up at Old Waverly in Mississippi. Um, probably the probably the best match of the week, uh, right up there with uh, I, I made sure to write this down, but the round of sixteen match. I don't know if you caught much of this on Fox, but Andrea Lee and Alexa Pano, their round of sixteen match. They went twenty three holes. Was was excellent. I mean, it was. Uh, I, I, I forget exactly where I was, but I remember being glued to, glued to the television during that. And uh, obviously, we ended up getting another good match between Albin and and uh, Gabby Ruffles. Albin, obviously from Stanford, who recently turned pro. Um, and then just a back and forth battle. Um, and then probably the craziest story of this match was. Gabby Ruffles, uh, her college coach, Justin Silverstein from USC, he had to leave for a funeral. So he, he uh, switched out with Mississippi State junior player Stockett, who's an old, old Waverly member, or at least she's played the course a bunch. Um, so they, so Silverstein handed her the caddy bid on the 31st hole, <laughs> and she ended up caddying the rest of the way. Uh, Gabby birdied that next hole, the 15th. And made a couple, uh, including the last hole, she birdied from ten feet to secure the one-up win. So, kind of, kind of a crazy thing to win in the final match with two different caddies. I mean, caddies obviously aren't hitting the shots, but you know, I, you know, there's a lot of people that would argue that they they play you know a crucial role in, in people's victories. So, 
and, um, I don't and know how much of, of this you caught, but um, I just want to get your thoughts on, uh, on, on that caddy twitch. Here's what I would bring up. Um, a couple things. I am not a fan of how much influence the coaches have at the college level. It slows the pace of play down to a crawl. And at some point, you have to let the players play. And and I'm a huge advocate of removing coaches from the actual reading putts and caddying elements of being coaching. Um, that's a different discussion for a different time. But I just, there are sometimes I sit down to watch college golf and I just can't do it because I'm like, just let the person play. Now, with that being said, when you have a caddy and you have a caddy from the beginning and you have a rhythm and a tempo, especially at the amateur level, it's about faith and hope because match play, anything can happen. And I know from having caddies from my junior days that you need somebody to smack you in the butt sometimes. You need somebody to just rub your shoulder and, 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 and say, it's okay, we'll get it back. So to, to switch out caddies with five holes left and then to come through and win the match one up ultimately over a really talented player in uh, Valenzuela is a really, really strong achievement for Gabby Ruffles. And it just shows that, that, that she can overcome in-round unforeseen adversity, which is a testament to something that will help her down the line. Yeah, and, and the, another impressive aspect of her win is I mean, she didn't she didn't focus on golf or really start playing seriously until she was 16 you know she was a tennis player obviously her parents were big tennis players her brother's ryan ruffles who uh just uh earned his corn fairy tour card by the way so we'll get to that later but yeah just a athletic family and uh i mean pretty pretty good you know pretty good champion for for the usga on the women's side First no. ever one. Uh, uh, first ever one the, from Australia. The the uh, the big event, the USAM. Yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, Gabby Ruffles's uh, first. Uh, sorry, Gabby Ruffles's U.S. Women's Am win was the first ever for the country of Australia, and a lot of people know the story of Alexa Pano, but um, I'll just say that we'll just keep on seeing her for a while. The short game. Yes. Yes, from that great documentary. That was uh, that. That was, by the way, the first ever. And and and, and it's not a joke. It's the first ever thing I ever watched on uh, on uh, Netflix. <laughs> I I went to another person's and, uh, house. Uh, a, a good Twitter Twitter question. What's the first thing you ever watched on Netflix? Yes, um, and. For me, it, it was, yeah, and I, I went to a friend's house who had Netflix because at that point, there was nothing on Netflix that I thought was was worth the money from me. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do this. This this doesn't make any sense. And lo and behold, um, you know. Appointment viewing. Sure. Yes, wound up being appointment viewing, and that, and, and that show is great. So let's set up this USM. It's at Pinehurst. First ever final being played over two courses, number two and number four. Um, such history over there. And you're coming off a year where Victor Hovland wins at Pebble, becomes low am at the op- at the Masters and end up with 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 Butler is right, ends up in Butler Cabin alongside Mr. Nance 
and Mr. Woods and Mr. Reed, and then goes on and earns his PGA Tour card for 2019-2020 and nearly gets a win to join Matthew Wolf and Colin Morikawa. That's the and setup. Low am at Pebble for the U.S. Open too. Hey, right, and and that too. Yeah. How how can I forget with his coach Alan Bratton on the bag? So that 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 was the end of Victor Hovland and the end of name brands because before that, Doc Redmond, Curtis Luck, Bryson DeChambeau. And then if you're even further back to in 2013, Matthew Fitzpatrick, who's become a superstar. Now we are left with the who of the quarterfinals of the U.S. Amateur and, and, and ultimately Andy Ogletree. I would argue that Ogletree is a name brand. Isn't that more, more, more Ogletree, please? Isn't that like Ovaltine? <laughs> yes. Ogletree, name brand? Well, we'll be seeing more of him in 2020 after his win. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, so going back to the the quarter the quarter finalists here. I mean, not not a great uh, group, but I, I would say Andy Ogletree was probably the fourth biggest name. I mean, this, this is a guy who was an All American at Georgia Tech. Um, you know, obviously Bruce Hepler's got a really good squad there, and Ogletree's been a, a key cog on that team ever since he's arrived. So. Definitely not a no name, but um, I mean to get John Augustine in the final as well was also pretty good. Um, so it ended up being a pretty good final. But yeah, I mean, average world rank of quarterfinalists one eighty seven, as I said before. Uh, Austin Squires, Colin Trollio, Will Holcomb, Palmer Jackson, who I actually think is going to have a really good spring uh, at Notre Dame uh, this this coming spring. But uh, but yeah, I mean not not guys that that we're very familiar with but again i mean that's the beauty of the amateur i mean it's anybody's anybody's tournament and i mean yeah the the world number one and cole hammer at the time didn't even make match play uh brandon Wu, who had just an incredible summer uh where he qualified for both summer opens um he, he was the medalist and got upset in the first round by squires who was the 64th seed so just like yeah a lot of uh a lot of fresh faces, um, but again, I mean, Pinehurst number two. I mean, anytime you have a an event at Pinehurst number two or or any of these great golf courses, it's it, it doesn't really matter who's playing because the golf course is just. I mean, the, the golf course is the star, and I, I'm sure you you agree with me. And, um, and yeah, it ended up being a good final. Uh, Ogletree won two and one, 36 hole final. Um, B. Augustine, as we said, who, going back to spring 2017, you know, including U.S. Amateur stuff, uh, NCAA match play, SEC match play, 17-3-1 in match play. So, Ogletree, four down through five, ends up rallying back to defeat one of the best match play amateurs in the world. And, yeah, I mean, just, uh, just a cool story. I mean, uh, Ryan Labner uh, was obviously on the ground there, wrote a great story about Ogletree from Little Rock, Mississippi, which is a, a no-stoplight town. His dad owns a Piggly Wiggly and used to tell him that he'd be bagging groceries if golf didn't work out. So obviously that motivated Andy. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a Walker Cup year, and I, I don't think Ogletree really, before that week, he wasn't really on the radar. I um, mean, he skipped the Western, which is an event that, Anybody who wants to be on that Walker Cup team, that's an event you pretty much got to play. Well, he ended up going to the Neshoba County Fair, where, as Lamner said, he crammed into a cabin with 40 to 50 family members. 
I mean, that that must have been a pretty big cabin. I, mean, I, I haven't been to many fairs, but uh, you know that 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 uh, that sounds like a lot of people. Yeah. Been any fairs with fifty of your of your relatives? No. Haven't done that. I've I've celebrated Thanksgiving with forty, but I've never gone to a fair with with fifty. I didn't stay with them in a cabin. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's these stories well, that come out of amateur golf are just wild. Oh yeah, cr- crazy. I mean, it's not the type of stories we get out of like an event like the Mid Am, but yeah, definitely a, a pretty neat story out of a guy who, on the surface, seems you know just like a you know normal normal kid you know normal golfer with glasses and plays at georgia tech and uh yeah but also i mean the craziest story and i don't know if you remember this or not but when he won obviously when he won he's on the walker cup team he gets an exemption onto the u.s team didn't have a passport And, and the walker cup is in i think two two and a half weeks three weeks from from when he won so they had Walker a, Cup was like, seven and eight. Passport. Yeah, <laughs> September seven and eight. He didn't have a passport. I mean, that, how how bizarre is that? It' wild, but it just shows that you know a lot of times when everybody goes to the John Deere, it's do you have your passport with you? And then if you end up in contention and you don't, your agent or somebody will fly out your passport to Silvis, Illinois. It is very rare that somebody does not have a passport. So that is. Well, that just shows you. I mean, he he didn't think he was he was on the team. No, obviously anything can change in a week. And speaking of the Walker Cup team, yeah, uh, the, a victorious Walker Cup team. I have written down, but uh, obviously Batia Hammer and Stuart Hegestad got the early nods for that team. Uh, Andy Ogletree and Augustine uh, both got got picked after their weeks at Pinehurst, and then we saw the rest of the team sold out with Brandon Wu, uh, Isaiah Salinda, his teammate at Stanford. Florida State's John Pack, Georgia Southern Stephen Fisk, who won five times as a senior this past season, runner-up to Wolf at the NCAA's. Duke's Alex Smalley, we talked about him earlier, won Sini Hanna. And, uh, so, so that was the 10-man team that they took over. Uh, a lot of people, including myself, thought maybe Ricky Castillo, the incoming freshman at Florida, um, who was a uh, semifinalist at the... Uh, at, at the Western and made a deep run and match play at the USAMs. Uh, a lot of people thought he was probably the, the guy that got snubbed the most and ended up being second alternate. Pearson Cootie, uh, got from Texas and won the Transmiss last summer. He also had a good case, but you know, I mean, Smalley may have been the guy that I would have left off, but I think a couple of years after the USGA dropped the ball by not picking Sam Burns, I think they got it right this time. Obviously, Chandler Phillips, Texas A&M senior or graduate at the time, uh, took to Twitter and you you probably saw this uh, back in the summer. He goes, "Ever every two years someone gets boned, and I just got the call letting me know I have been choosing for this award. So I have not. I, I assume he meant I have not been chosen for this award. LOL. Thanks." End quote. So <laughs> Chandler Phillips was not obviously happy that he didn't get picked on the team, but. Um, this this past fall, I actually talked to him about it. I was like, he was playing the Houston Open, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, you know, I probably shouldn't have tweeted that." But and you know, as I look back on it, I mean, who who would they have taken off? He's like, there were ten guys who 
who deserved to be on that team, and I didn't get picked. And you know, I still watched, or uh, obviously they couldn't watch it because it wasn't, wasn't on TV. But you know, I still followed along and uh, cheered him on, and it was good to see him win. So obviously, there's no hard feelings for Chandler Phillips. And funny thing, recently I saw him again at Corn Ferry Tour final stage, and he was just at Seminole Golf Club playing with uh, Captain Crosby. So. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, he was able to mend uh, mend that relationship after get you know quote unquote phone. So, well, um, I think Crosby was hired back for twenty twenty one, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to mend those fences fast. Um, well, so, well, uh, uh, Chandler's turned pro. Uh, oh, okay. Then, so, so he won't be on any more Walker Cup teams. But, uh, but yeah, I mean that's that, that's a normal thing that 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 they they do with captains they they give them a away walker cup and a home walker cup and obviously nathaniel crosby um our son of son of Ben crosby uh is a member at at, at seminole and uh so that's that's going to be a really cool thing it's going to be it's going to be in may too so the the 2021 walker cup will will be in may at seminole and um should should be a good event but yeah let's uh let's head over across the pond again um we both got our passports Not like Andy Andy Ogletree. And should we talk about the Walker Cup? Well, all right. So, first of all, we're talking to Brentley Romine. We're going through amateur and college golf in 2019. We are at the one-hour, nine-minute mark exactly. So, first of all, thank you all for staying with us for one hour and nine minutes. Yeah, two more events. Yes. Now, here's what I think is fascinating about the Walker Cup. And this is the pop quiz I'm going to throw back on you. What is the similarity between now? There's an asterisk with it. This Walker, this U.S. Walker Cup team, and the U.S. Presidents Cup team. Hmm. Similarity. Well, there's an asterisk. The similarities between this year's U.S. President and this year's U.S. Walker Cup team. Yep. Well, they they both trailed going into singles. There's that. Final day. There is that. They both earned eight points in singles. The Walker Cup team went eight and two, and the President's Cup team went eight and four. The dominance. Final day. And that, I think... Is basically, and if you if you actually if 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 and, and obviously you've dove into the Walker Cup, I've dove into the Presidents Cup. It's about getting up early. When when you need those comebacks, you got to get up early. And if you look at those first four matches, the U.S. won three of four, and then they won those middle three matches. Cantlay, Shoffley, Webb Simpson, and Tony Finau got a tie. Bryson DeChambeau got a tie. So between the middle three and then. I'm sorry, the, the first uh, one, two, five, and then those middle three, so what would I guess be seven, eight, nine? Uh, yeah, seven, eight, nine, they, they won those. And if you go to the Walker Cup team, won the first they two. They won pretty much all. What? They, they won pretty much all. Yeah, but, but Celinda wins. Two up to start things off. They win the second match, and, and then they just get rolling from there. So there are, even when you dive into it further, some more similarities between the two squads. Yeah, and that that that's the win the match too. I mean, he was playing Alex Alex Fitzpatrick, who you know 
uh, up and you know on, on that first day, I mean, Alan Fitzpatrick looked almost unbeatable. I mean, he beat Cole Hammer in, in the, the leadoff singles match on on day one, and for for uh, Selinda to come up and get a two up win, um, you know that that did a lot. But at the same time, a lot a lot of these matches were finished really early. I mean, Cole Hammer playing playing in the penultimate match against Connor Purcell, six and five. And we had a four and three, a four and two, a five and three. So, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things where, for most of the the two days at uh, Royal Liverpool, it seemed as if the GB and I were going to win again. Um, but yeah, I mean, just a complete reversal of fortune in that last session, and uh, yeah, the, the U.S. get it done. So the, the first the first win on foreign soil. Uh, by U.S. Walker Cup team since 2007. That is uh, nuts. And on that team, can uh, let's let, let's see if you can name three guys off that 2017. Oh God, I'm I'm not Ma- this good. major champions. I'm not this good. Wow. All right. Um, oh geez. One of them was the answer to a, a trivia question earlier. I forgot what what the trivia question was earlier. <laughs> it's your boy, Mr. High Five, Ricky Fowler. Oh, it's I, I was gonna say Ricky, but Ricky hasn't won a major yet. He's won the players. Well, he, he he hasn't won a major, but he's won he's won the players. Right. Okay. So it's but but there's, there's three major there's, champions. There's, there's two major champions. Okay. See, you're like because me. One, who one, one of the major champions is on the other, the GB and I. Oh, okay. So um, I would guess that Rory is the member of the GB&I team. Wait, who? Rory. Yep, Rory was. Yeah, so that's that member. The U.S. member, the U.S. major champion, I'm going to guess it's Reed, Patrick? Nope. Dustin Johnson mm. and Webb Simpson. Mm. By the way, I'm with you. The players is a major... I know we're not going to change. Uh, no, the, I was just—I—I I had three major winners on the brain because there were three major winners yes. at Walker Cup. But yes. yeah, obviously Ricky, for as great of a player as he is, has not won a major. Um, Will he ever? You know, I mean, that's the most popular name on 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 that team, on a on a team filled with guys who are on the PGA Tour. I mean, the only guys who didn't make it, there were two guys who didn't make it to the PGA Tour off that team. So ten guys. Trip Keeney, who was a lifelong amateur, and Jonathan Moore, who was a standout at Oklahoma State, ended up getting the clinching point that year. But also on that team, Jordan, Ricky, DJ, and Webb, got uh, Jamie Lovemart, Billy Ho, Chris Kirk, Colt Nost, and uh, Kyle Stanley. So, that, is, uh, that is a loaded he, U.S. squad. That is... And then you look at the team... In 09, Bud Cawley, Ricky, Brendan Gillio, Brian Harmon, Morgan Hoffman, Adam Mitchell, Nathan Smith, Cameron Tringali, Peter Uline, Drew Weaver. I mean, that's that's a heck of a fall-off. I mean, that team, obviously the 07 team's been great. The, the uh, 2009 team is mixed. The 2011 team, Blaine Barber, Cantlay, Harris English, Russell Henley, Kelly Kraft, Patrick Rogers, yeah, Nathan... Yeah. That 2007 team is regarded as, I mean, top to bottom, probably the best team of all time. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it has we, to we be. We could probably go back to some of these older Walker Cups and, you know, make cases for that. But, I mean, a pretty stout a pretty stout lineup, 1 through 10. And, I mean, who knows? We, we may be talking about this past Walker Cup team as one of the best. We may be talking about 2017 when they, you know, routed the GB&I in uh, uh, L.A., uh, that that was a good team. Morikawa and Doug Ginn and McNeely and Braden Thornberry, Cameron Champ, uh, Norman Zhang. Yeah. Um, so I mean, maybe when it's all said and done. But yeah, I mean, as of right now, I think that 2017 is really good. Um, and obviously, this team, this year's or last now this year's team was the first to win on foreign soil since then. Um, also, they trailed by two points after day one. Obviously, the Walker Cup's a two-day event. Um, you for some session with a single session on on, on each, each of the days. But no U.S. side had trailed after day one and gone on to win since 1963 at Turnberry. So another uh, another cool cool stat for the for this team to accomplish. And yeah, like I was saying earlier, that first day, I mean we're we're at Royal Liverpool. Uh, the the weather's windy. Um, the U.S. team is not playing well. Cole Hammer's not playing well. He set the opening session, ended up losing his singles match. For, for, for a while there, it looked like it was going to be a route. Blue on that scoreboard in that first singles session, or the session two, first single session on day one. Um, and it looked like the GB&I could be leading by four or five points going into day two, which with such few points on the line, I mean, that's, I mean, it's almost over at that point. But they end up rallying. As I mentioned before, John Pack ends up uh, beating the, the, the amateur champion, uh, uh, James James Sugru, uh, on the 18th hole. as a big birdie putt, huge fist pump, and really gave the team a lot of momentum. Um, and so they didn't really say a whole lot. You know, the, the team, you know, they, they didn't really say a whole lot in terms of, you know, like, oh, like, we got to play better. It was just kind of... Uh, you know, just they, they all kind of realized what they needed to do, and they knew that it wasn't over. And they each kind of went around and just said, you know, said a little bit. And then Stuart Hager said, you know, delivered this speech and, uh, you know, basically talked about, you know, their, you know, all the pressures on the GBI. You know, everyone here is rooting for them. They're up. It's on their territory. They're supposed to win. And basically telling the guys they have nothing to lose. You know, and and saying, you know, he said, "quote Whatever you have to do, do it because you're going to remember tomorrow for better or worse for the rest of your lives. So if we can turn the tide and do something really special, it'll be something we'll talk about for the next thirty or forty years." End quote. So really cool and passionate speech by uh, by Big Stu, and they end up going on. Uh, they they cut the deficit from two to one after foursomes on day two, and then win eight of the ten singles matches and win by five. So. I mean, as we said, Cole Hammer came back and made quick work of uh, Purcell. And, um, yeah, I mean, Alex Smalley, uh, probably the guy everyone thought shouldn't have been on the team, went 3-1. and one. Brandon Wu went 3-1. and one. John Pack went 3-0. and oh. So, um, but yeah, just just a really cool week. And Royal Liverpool is obviously where the Walker Cup got started. So, always cool to, to you know, give a little nod to history and, and, and go back to, uh, you know, a tournament's roots. And, uh, yeah, being there, um, Liverpool's obviously a really cool cool city and uh, definitely probably 
the one week I'll, I'll, I'll remember the most uh, this past year. Um, so next up on our tour, I believe the, the, the last one is the Asian Pacific Amateur, correct? Yeah, well, uh, do we want to talk about the U.S. Mid-Am? Uh, let's talk about, all right, so let's do this. We're at 79 minutes. Um, <laughs> this app only goes out to 90 minutes. Oh, no, all right, so. <laughs> now, hold on a second. I am currently clearing room off my digital recorder to allow us to go further. Um, uh, no, let's, 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 I, I, I think 90 is a good. All right, so, uh, so let's do this. We'll, we'll, we'll save Q school for, for another time. All right, so here's what we'll do. Here's. Here's what we'll do. This this is called live producing, folks. Um, uh, Brentley Romine's here Podcast. from. There, there are no rules. Yes, uh, 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 Brentley Romine's here from Golf Channel. Uh, we're talking about amateur and college golf in 2019. We're gonna talk about the Asian Pacific Am, spin it forward with Wolf Morikawa Hovland Cup show, briefly in the span of not of nine and a half minutes, and then we'll save Corn Ferry Q School to the start of the Corn Ferry season. Here's what I loved about the Asian Pacific Amateur, because I, I, I watched this in regulation. Yushin Lee wins on home soil in a playoff over Takami Tanaya. Um, uh, 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 sorry, Kat- uh, sorry, Katumi Kanaya. And number one, current, current world number one. Yeah, right, current world number one. But Lynn overcame adversity in regulation. This is Shishan. This is the same golf course as the HSBC champions. And as we saw in the HSBC champions, that water down the right will eat up anything. And he made the mistake in regulation, came back, won it two holes later. It was a really impressive mental bounce back in such a vital event because it gets you to Augusta National and into the um, open qualifying and a whole bunch of other things. Yeah, so so both of these guys are trying to become the, just the second player to win the Asia Pacific game for the for the second time, and uh, obviously Hideki won it back to back in 2010 and 2011. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what was it? Uh, Lin hit it into the water and bogeyed his final hole, and then Takumi had a five footer or something for birdie. Um, and yep. missed it. So that forced the playoff. Yep. And then they ended up going, what, two playoff holes? Yep, and that was the first playoff, I believe, in the history of the Asian Pacific Trojan, Um Ends up uh, getting a return ticket to Augusta. And just just incredible perseverance, incredible um, just fortitude, mental fortitude to be able to bounce back like that. Um, it definitely means a lot to me. Winning at home is certainly huge for me and for China Golf as well. I'm just really honored to be alongside Hideki as a, as a two-time winner, he said, who two weeks after that turned 19 years old. The things these kids do at 19 as teenagers just boggle my mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so um, Wolf Morikawa Hovland. To me, Matt Wolf's victory, I was not surprised. Heck of a showdown down the stretch at the 3M Open. Morikawa, I was surprised, but I think the Stableford scoring system and that format and just the freedom of knowing you have to make birdies helped him 
when he won at Reno Tahoe. And Hovland, though, I think. Hovland is my pick for the best longevity out of any of these guys. I think he's got the swing in the game that'll last over time. I'll be very curious to see what Matt Wolf does over the long period of time and working on his footwork and everything with that funky swing and making sure that it ends up in the slot as, 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 as part of the George Gankis method. But to me, Hovland is the guy who I would buy stock in most over the next you know, three, four, five years. Where do you stand when it comes to these three guys? Yeah, I mean, all of them have have their own, you know, their own merits. I mean, Wolf's got Wolf's probably got the 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 highest ceiling. I think. I mean, he, he's he's one of those guys that when he's on, he with his power and with the way the game is has trended, you know, over the last decade or so, where it's all about driving the golf ball. Um, you know, I, I think Wolf Wolf has the potential when he's when he's good to be really, really good. And I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I think all three of these guys are going to have pretty good careers, and I think they're going to go. You know, they're going to go on to make Ryder Cup teams and Presidents Cup teams, and maybe you know, maybe all three of them even win majors. I mean, I think I definitely out of the three of them together, they're going to. Collectively, they're going to win a major at some point. I think there's good odds for that. But yeah, I think you know at this point, I I like more Kawa just just in terms of the way he strikes the ball. Um, you know, he he was uber consistent in college. I mean, he had a bizarre number of top fives, and I was actually trying to look look for it now. Uh, but you know, he he had just a a, a crazy number of par five, or uh, top fives while he was at Cal. Spent all four years there. Right now, he's number 66 in the official world golf ranking, so he's the highest ranked out of the three of them. And, uh, you know, I, I just think he's going to get more overlooked and he's going to have not as much pressure on him because everyone obviously loves Wolf. I mean, he's got the swing that stands out. Everyone loves Hovland because of what he's accomplished already as a U.S. amateur champ and low am at the Masters. Um, so, I mean, I, I just like more Cowell. I mean, he's like I said, he's not going to have the, the amount of pressure on him. Um, and, you know, his his golf swing's really, really good. And so, yeah, I mean, at, at this point, I mean, ask me again next week and I might say <laughs> But um, all, all of them are good. It, I mean, it's like trying to, to decide, you know, what's your favorite, you know, you know favorite fruit. I mean, all, all of them are good. Except for, uh, uh, is there any really bad fruit? What's like your least favorite fruit? Beets, or is beets a vegetable? It, it, I think beets beets beet is a vegetable. Maybe um, maybe kiwi. I love kiwi. Um, Do I'm like trying kiwi? to think of my. Uh, I'm, I'm I I hate raspberries and cherries. Okay. So that what counts about bananas? for Everyone likes every golfer has to like bananas. Right. Yes, I love bananas. Okay. They're they're the best mid-round fuel. And then lastly, we have Jennifer Cupcho, who after winning the ANWA, comes up short at the NCAAs, turns pro, and makes it to the CME Globe, which is a heck of an accomplishment considering the new structure and everything that went into the CME Globe. Um, this is somebody who I believe is, is built for the long haul and has a game that's going to be consistent. There may be weeks where she peaks and valleys. But I think 
She's somebody, we talk so much on the PGA Tour about, it's about making cuts and it's about those T35s and those T40s and just getting some FedEx cut points on the weeks where your game is off and not trunk slamming. And I feel like Cupcho has that type of game over the long haul. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw Maria Fossey miss a lot of cuts and she was able to, to, to sneak in and finish inside the top 100 on the money list, but yeah, what, what Cup Show did, um, I think she made, what, 19 starts after deferring status, made it to CME, like you said, finished 38 there. Um, T2 at Evian, that, that, that week clinched her card for next year. Um, just, you know, just goes to show, and I think, I would, th- that's why I was so surprised that we had all five amateurs forgo their final semesters of college this past year, this past Q school, because they they just saw what Cup Show did by by deferring. I mean, she stayed in school. She won the Augusta National Women's Amateur. She went on to lead her team to a runner-up finish at the NCAA Championship, and then she turned pro with all this fanfare, um, and and ended up keeping her card and making it to the the season finale. I mean, if if these you know, young women who, you know, I'm talking about Sarah Brooks and Alvin Valenzuela, Andrea Lee, Frida Schenholt, and who's the fifth one? Uh, uh, Jennifer Chang. Uh, I mean, if, if, if they think they're good enough to turn pro and they have the games to compete right away on the LPGA or Symmetra, um, then, then they think they're as good as, as Cup Show. So, I, I just don't understand why you wouldn't defer because Cup Show proved it's possible, and you know maybe she's the the rare you know example of it actually working out over you know this next few years or decade or whatever. But to me, it just seems like a no brainer to to stay in school and defer, and and so that's why I like you know it's it's easy to root for for Cup Show because she she put her team in front of herself and then she turned pro and got the job done and that's what everyone should be doing in my opinion he is Golf Channel's Brentley Romine he uh, is officially what uh, what I say you are an associate editor but he writes a whole lot of editor. good stuff about uh, a whole bunch of stuff especially college golf and amateur golf this is part one we'll do part two after new year uh, happy holidays, happy new year, and we're going to get this right under the 90-minute mark. So perfect timing on your part. Perfect, and with plenty of stuff left to talk about and to save for another time. You got it. Thank you all for tuning into this edition of Teeing It Up.